In the name of the Father, and of the Son, and of the Holy Spirit. Amen. Years ago, after the arrival of a new Bishop of Reading, a local vicar asked me whether I'd yet heard him preach a real sermon. He added, all he ever does is tell stories. I replied, wasn't there someone else who used to do that? As Christians, we're not called to follow a philosophy or theory. We're called to follow Jesus. We're invited into a relationship with God. Our whole Bible is the story of God seeking to bring his human children back to himself. For us, the high point of that story is of Jesus coming among us. And surely among the high points in his story are the many stories he tells to help us understand who he is and what he's doing. We call them parables. There was nothing new about this method of teaching. Remember the striking parable the prophet Nathan told to make King David pass judgment on himself for his adultery with Bathsheba and the murder of her husband. Jesus makes amazing use of this well-established tradition. As one distinguished scholar puts it, the parables are perhaps the most characteristic element in the teaching of Jesus. Certainly there is no part of the gospel record which has a clearer ring of authenticity. And among Jesus' parables there is no more significant group than those where he tells us of the coming of God's kingdom among us. This is the beating heart of what Jesus came to bring us and John the Baptist came to prepare for. Jesus could have explained that God's kingdom means the coming of his kingly rule on earth. That would have been true. But it wouldn't have struck the people nearly so powerfully or got them wondering, how does this affect me? Today's gospel begins... Jesus put before them another parable. In fact, our reading offers us six out of a series of seven parables, all starting with the words, the kingdom of heaven is like. Matthew avoids using the sacred name of God, perhaps out of respect for his Jewish readers, preferring to say kingdom of heaven, but it's generally held that they mean the same thing. Our list of examples offers a bewildering array of pictures. A mustard seed, yeast, a treasure hidden in a field, a pearl merchant, a fishing net and a householder. We heard the other parable last week, a farmer sowing his field with unexpected results. The one about a householder bringing out old and new treasures is different from the rest different because it comes after Jesus asks his disciples whether they've understood what he's talking about. Somewhat surprisingly, they say yes. Surprising because in this 13th chapter of Matthew, before Jesus launches into his series of parables, the disciples ask him why he speaks to people in parables. The puzzling answer he gives is, the reason I speak to them in parables is that seeing they do not perceive, and hearing they do not listen, nor do they understand. And he quotes from the prophet Isaiah. For this people's heart has grown dull, and their ears are hard of hearing, 
and they have shut their eyes so that they might not look with their eyes and listen with their ears and understand with their heart and turn and I would heal them. Surely this can't be right. Some have tried to explain the puzzle by suggesting that Jesus wants his disciples but not the common people to understand what he's saying. But that can't be correct. As one commentator puts it, that totally misrepresents Jesus' attitude to the common people. In contrast with other teachers, he appealed to publicans and sinners, went to the multitudes with his message, and thanked God that it was understood even by babies. A yet more revealing explanation is quoted in a book about the Old Testament. The supposition that Jesus taught in parables in order that people might misunderstand is preposterous. This is to mistake an oriental process of thought by which consequences are often confused with motives. Or to put it more simply, to the oriental mind the way things actually turn out must be the way they were intended to. We can't imagine that crowds of people follow Jesus far into the countryside, hanging on his every word, if they have no idea what he's talking about. On the contrary, he attracts them because he speaks with authority and not like their teachers of the law. How can Jesus announce good news and call people back to God if he talks in riddles they can't understand? No. He uses pictures they're familiar with, drawn from farming or fishing or family life, precisely so as to connect with something they do understand. But his stories are not entertainment, they're parables, once described as earthly stories with a heavenly meaning. In them the kingdom of God is indeed brought home to them and to us. We're being shown how things are when God's rule is accepted and pursued in a human life. Jesus places us in situations in which he gives us unexpected new insights. He confronts us with the need to make life-changing decisions. Let's think of the parables in today's reading. The first two, the mustard seed and yeast, speak of God's action working silently and at first invisibly in our lives. We may not even realize it's going on. But God is bringing, out, bringing about the new creation Paul told his friends in Corinth is what happens when we dwell in Christ. The questions for us are, how can we make ourselves aware of God's work within us? And how can we join in that transforming work? The second pair of parables, the search for the treasure hidden in the field and the purchase of the uniquely valuable pearl, challenge us with another question. What in our lives is so supremely precious that nothing else must be allowed to stand in the way of our seeking it? As always, it for, it's for us to work out what that means. But of course, in this case, we remember that earlier in this gospel, Jesus has given us the answer. Strive first for the kingdom of God and his righteousness, 
and everything else will be given you as well. Do our priorities in life bring us closer to God? Or do they maintain barriers between us? The parable of the fishing net is quite different. It tells us how the choices we make day by day turn us into God's sort of people, or not. Finally, the parable of the scribe trained for the kingdom of heaven teaches us that the treasures God has in store for us are both old and new. We're to value what we receive from the past, but also to embrace what God has given us today and tomorrow. We live in time, and God, who is eternal, visits us in our time. The parables of Jesus are told so as to challenge us with searching questions and a call to serve. What we read in the Bible is naturally expressed in pictures of life in first-century Palestine. We need the Spirit to show us how these same questions can be translated into the thought and words of our 21st century world. But one thing we must never doubt. God desires to speak to us now just as surely as Jesus spoke to the crowds in Galilean synagogues or countryside. Come, Lord, open our eyes and ears to see and hear what the Father's kingdom means for us and for our world today, and help us to become his joyful subjects and servants in that timeless kingdom. Amen.